is also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back. Hello, podcast universe. Welcome to the Eerie Americas. This is Christy Hall. Vicky Ayala. And once again, you are tuned in to the Eerie Americas. Well, hopefully you've tuned in again. You and know. if this is your first time, go listen to our first episode. And welcome. So we had an interesting week, I guess. Well, as we? promised, we said if we did anything cool, which cool means that we left our apartments to yep. do something other than work in this podcast, yep. we can tell you. So Christy and I, after the last podcast, went to the movies. Yeah, it was actually my husband's idea. He was like, let's go out and celebrate. And as he runs around Brooklyn throughout most of the day trying to bootleg, he finds these <laughs> cool places to go. And this movie theater that we actually grew up, so it's called The Pavilion. It It's in like, it was in the fancy part of Prospect Park, yep. but now everywhere around Prospect Park it's is fancy. fancy. The nicer, even though it wasn't nice, it was still a nice theater to and go to. it was kind of far from where I live, so I thought I was so cool that I got yeah, to go like, to the other part of Brooklyn. To yeah, you had to movies. like, you know, either you lived by it, you had to walk, or you took the F train there. You went there. It was called the Pavilion. We loved it. And then um, it got torn down a few got, years ago. And I was actually really devastated because I loved that movie theater. Like the Phoenix, that's New York. It is like the Phoenix. Things that burn down from the ashes or risen again from smoke. Someone bought it and made it into what's called the Nighthawk, and it's a dine-in movie theater, which is a big thing now, and the best thing about it is that it has two full bars, and we're old enough to drink now, so. Yeah, woohoo! Well, we've been old enough to drink, but. But now, I mean, I never thought about drinking at the party. I used to sneak in the alcohol in my bag. Yeah, I mean, And then I used to buy a slushie, and then put it in the slushie, and get super drunk. And what was super convenient about the pavilion was there was a liquor store right Right down the block. Right there, that's what some minors were not going to say. Yeah, well, I mean, that was back. (laughs) of a day now these days you can't yeah everybody gets carded yeah you can't like you can't buy anything in new york city these days without anything i used to go into clubs like i can't even talk about that anymore we used to do so much that's old new york i didn't even need a fake id i just nobody what what was your old fake id if if you had some decent bajankas and a good sense of humor you can't get any humor that's all. oh yeah my wonderful you're a winning personality so witty So we did. But, we left the house. We still didn't go to the statue. And it was really, it was cool. It's actually the second location. There's a there's a first place in Williamsburg, of course. The, and I'm not going there because it's fine. The, the hub of hipsterdom. So we we've never been we to that one, but we went to this one to support. You cool. know, and it was really cool. It and was, we was, saw Vice, which was pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, Christian Bale is pretty amazing. His transformations are insane. I'm sure. Like we've really all known for years. And but, Dick Cheney's an asshole, but we knew that. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought you know to be fair though, considering it was Adam McKay. Like, you know, I right. the back and forth with all the political crap. I don't really get into it. But Neither. the one thing I'll give them that is they just told stories. They didn't really take a position. They, he didn't really nope, he make them look in like a bad is. light. He just kind of told the stories that he knew about Dick Cheney. So, I mean, I found that interesting on Adam McKay's end. At the end, of course, he took a more, you know, liberal approach. Of course. But so, I think he stayed as unbiased as possible yeah, for someone. it was a good time. It was a good movie. Christian Bale's great. The drink was great. Calm. Um, a lot more laughs than I thought. I, I thought I would get more aggravated, but, but then I again, laughed. we laughed during a podcast about murders and stuff, so maybe we aren't the judge of what's Yeah, you know, we don't take politics, like, as seriously yeah, as everybody so. these days. I think that's the big issue. A lot of people don't just kind of lay back. Our day-to-day lives I are I mean, I do different. what I have to do as a citizen. I do vote, and I do care about it. It's just that I, I can't spend 
spend every single day worrying about yeah. it or I'll never get through today. Yeah, that's the problem. These days we're just, we're all too haunted. We just need to relax. Beyond that, we had a good time. That was fun. Was fun. Big hype right now, of course, is uh, senior Ted Bundy. Theodore is back. And, yeah, um, yeah, the Ted Bundy too. So is... Ted is, for Vicky and I, it was one of our mutual, wait, you like Ted Bundy? I like Ted Bundy. So before the Ted Bundy drop, I have an encyclopedia of serial killers. Bundy has been flagged multiple times. He's a super fascinating creature to me, not because of looks or the fact, the amount of the sheer quantity of women right. that he's been it's linked to. It's just really to. just his narcissism and he's just so full of himself, the way he can manipulate. And I just always found it interesting the way he, like when he defended himself in court, like I just, I always found that interesting and not interesting in the glorifying Ted Bundy kind of way, but it's just, it's fascinating to me. And then you hear all of these like profiles on serial killers and he kind of went against that. Absolutely. So like, that's why it always was like, well, you say that serial killers are supposed to be, you know, like abused as children and all these things. I'm like, but he says he wasn't. Like he yeah. himself says that that didn't happen to me. And, not just and then that. he blamed it on porns. I think it's interesting that he helped set up the profiles for serial for killers. For serial killers that did that fit them. He did it perfectly, yeah. but he didn't fit into it. It's yeah. just to me, it was just so. I think so they told. I think they told a cool story of his whole history. Yeah. For and the it's most like part. different because you hear it from his voice. There's something so like haunting about hearing him. You can hear all these things about him, mm-hmm. but then you hear it from him. It's just different. That's definitely if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you're one of the 10 people that have Netflix that haven't seen it, that are into horror podcasts or anything horror related, highly recommend it. Very balanced. We got through it in one day. I got through it very quickly because yeah. I was from home that day and I texted you and you were like, you're done already? I, I, I went through it very quickly. I do work I slave all, all day. day. Like, I don't even I think and I don't eat and I don't pee. I don't do anything. I just sit on my desk. I slave all day so I couldn't watch it quickly. I watched it after work. I stayed up <laughs> all night and watched yes, that's, that's it. That's it our was position. from 9 to 5. I was that's all our, business. Working 9 to 5. Yeah, like that's Dolly us. Parton. Interesting. Definitely recommend Senior uh, Ted Bundy confessional tapes. It will be on our website www.theerieamericas.com Under the recommendation section, we do have a creepy story from one of our friends who we harass when we go out and get them drunk and make them tell us scary stories. This is from our friend Amanda. Her story is, when I was around 12, my friends and I were playing with a Ouija board. Not a good idea. Mm-mm. At a sleepover at my house. In the middle of the night, the shades went up and went up out of nowhere. And it was one of those, uh, if you have shades, they have like a cord that you're supposed to pull for the shades to go up or down. She said the shades just went up out of nowhere. Oh, hell no. And she said it was the creepiest thing to her. Newsflash. Do not ever also, use. it was like a drawstring. Yeah, like the, the ones, ones that you have, have to physically pull it. And then if you want to bring them down, you have to like move over to the side. And it's like stupid. So she said they were middle of the night. Blinds just go up. And it's just like, don't play with the Ouija board. Yeah, just because it says Parker Brothers on it does not mean yeah, that Yeah, just because you got it in the toy section of Toys R Us. It's not a toy. And be very happy that all you got was some shades that went up. Because there's been crazier stories. But that is creepy as fuck, especially if you're Hell tall. yeah, that is eerie. Yeah, <laughs> see what you did there there we go so another thing i was going to bring up is our great cousins to the north canada i don't know how you feel about canada Canada, but i personally love canada and the funny thing about canada is i've actually i've traveled a lot i've never been to canada and i'll tell you i haven't been there either and i'll tell you we're from new york so it's not a far commute we can get to montreal in like seven hours but the honest truth is i'm afraid to visit canada And I'll tell you why I'm afraid to visit Canada because I feel like I'm going to fall. It's going to be like falling in love and never wanting to like never feel that again. Like I feel like I will fall in love with Canada. Canada. I feel like I'm going to go to Canada. I'm going to fall in love with the people. I'm going to, I'm going to fall in love with the bagels. I'm going to fall in love with the tap water, which I hear is amazing. I'm going to fall in love with 
free healthcare. I'm going to fall in love with... See, if I was going to go to Canada for anything, it would definitely be from here free healthcare because I have a freaking cold right now. I've had it all week. I've been trying to get rid of it. I just told Christy that I sound like Janice from Friends and did the whole hello Chandler bang and it was just really... Spot on. I'm so nasal right now. But if I lived in Canada, I probably would have had medication. Can you say the other Janice line? Oh my God. It's really good. It's so so good that it's so bad. But basically, us going to the movies was the only thing I did all week. Oh, the one thing that happened by the time you listen to this podcast, you'll know this already, but our website went live this week and it was super exciting. That was literally the most exciting. Yeah, I know. That was fun. It was good for us. So we're excited. Back to Canada. I brought this up because we are actually going to talk about a Canadian recent serial killer. Maybe that'll keep you from falling in love with Canada. Uh, Yeah, I don't know because, you know, I love America and the vast majority (laughs) of them are from America. But that's what's interesting. The more I look into it, the more I'm like, wait a minute, we're not the only ones with these horrendous people in the world because For the vast majority, Canadians are amazing, sweet people. Like, there's not a single Canadian that I've come across that I haven't liked that I'm aware that they're from Canada. I haven't met any Canadians, but I'm pretty sure I'd like them all. No, I'm telling you, they're awesome people. But this guy isn't, and that's the point. So we're going to talk about Dylan Millard and his little henchman, Mark Smitch. So this was pretty recent, but we'll go into the history of that. He got his last conviction as recent as right before New Year's. Oh, so of 2018. Okay. So this is a really, really recent, recent case. So I thought it would be kind of cool to introduce. Well, I haven't heard Canada much about it. So into this, right? So this takes place in Toronto. The uh, primary person we're going to be discussing is Dylan Millard. That is his name, okay. Dylan Millard. He was born to a wealthy, wealthy aviation family. Well, aren't you lucky, Dylan? Yes. Your stupid. So name. off the bat, he doesn't fit the normal profile. Right. That's already. Um, so he is a wealthy aviation family heirloom. His father and his grandfather set up some aviation business that's quite successful. Um, By age 14, actually, he became the youngest in Canadian history to take a solo flight in one day for both a helicopter and a plane. So this is a promising person as far as society's... He could have been such a great person. You know, society's concerned. So far, so he's set up really well. But sadly, he would become the family failure. He drops out of college, starts partying, gets into harder and harder drugs, and somewhere along the sides decides that he wants to become this criminal mastermind when he had all these other options. So I don't know who willingly chooses to become a criminal when they have all this, when they have all these advantages advantages over everybody else. But, you know, each his own, I guess. I won't really understand that. So he starts kind of creating his, like, circle of grimy people, essentially. So in this grimy social scene, uh, Dylan kind of becomes overindulgent and seems to develop, like, this god complex where he becomes untouchable. And somewhere in between all this, he meets a henchman named Mark Smitch. And he kind of, from what I was reading and from my research, it kind of sounds like Mark was obsessed with Dell because he was this rich badass. Well, of course, and, he's like this in the fucking aviation family. Yeah, and he couldn't afford all Probably the drugs to, to, to keep all of them drugged Basically up like and a meal partying. Ticket, like, yeah, he's dude like... Dude has a lot of money and... He's the rock star and he's creating this posse of like douchebags. And, and this includes Mark Smitch, who at the time he was 23... He was born to middle-class parents, really normal guy. So he meets someone like Dell, and he's probably just like fascinated with who he is and sees this big opportunity. But Dell used to take his circle of friends and he used to call crimes and he used to call these criminal missions. And yeah, quote unquote, criminal missions. Um, And it went anything from robberies to drug dealing to actually shooting porn in his family's aircrafts. There's pictures 
of girlfriends, women that he took and literally shot porn because why not, right? Like you have access to jets. So why not create I mean, a porn, you could have just shot the porn and not done the crimes. I feel like that would have been a better path than what he did. Yeah, and I feel like he would have made more money and stayed out of jail. Could but, have shot the porn. You know, that's just me. This outlaw rep, of course, bought out the underlings of Toronto society and that's how he met Mark. And so um, Mark Smith had a police record already involving petty offenses like drug possession, mischief, driving impaired, failure to appear, breach of conditions basically just this slimy douche like what's what's pretty much what i'm reading so when he wasn't busy breaking the law mark in his spare time he enjoyed making gore videos so like not you porn. can youtube him really creepy gore videos and creepy for me is not something i use very often but they are pretty weird and then filming his gangster rap videos which, <laughs> i'm sorry yeah from yes this is a, a, a white toronto <laughs> canadian male um so <laughs> it's funny for us whenever other than eminem i don't think we really have taken any rappers seriously in Brooklyn that's white. Sorry, that hasn't happened yet. I just uh, don't see... I, I mean, if Canada sounds great. I just don't see Canada being gangster yeah. rap. Toronto. But to each its own. Yeah. And Adela and your friend sounds great. That was a great <laughs> pick of friends you just made there. So in... um, So Del kind of makes this base for him and his skeevy friends in Waterloo, Ontario. Um, his family owns a hangar. And yes, I was... I had to look up what a hangar is because I'm the, not the, rich. The, the planes go there, right? Yeah, so it's basically like a garage for airplanes. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's where they kind of board up the planes. Like you ever see the little like big warehouse yeah. things? It could fit a plane in there. That's where all of them used to hang out. And, you know, he enjoyed doing things like stealing people's cars. And You're already rich. What are you stealing people's cars for? Look at this. He steals cars just to destroy them in the hangar. See, that's how you know you have too much money. Because you hang out in an airport hangar and you steal cars just to mess them up. That's how you know. Oh, you yeah, too much you're money. a total dick off the bat already. So he was a sick fuck because if I found out someone stole my car, I'd be like, all right, maybe they were really desperate for money. Maybe this. You would try to justify it on some level, but this guy just, no. Nope, you're just he, a dick with money. He's just has the money so he doesn't care so that's the setup of Del and Millard um now Sounds I'm like a stand-up guy stand up and mark uh, they're both Two wonderful peas wonderful peas in a pod that somehow they came together but on to uh Miss Laura Babcock now um she was 23 at the time she was born to a middle-class family in Toronto uh she was a university student she was studying art and drama major and wanted to become an actress Oh, poor Laura. But from what I understood about her and from what, you know, you, you can find real facts about her because this was so recent. She was whimsical, life of the party, super close to her friends. She loves dogs, like really. She oh, loved so her I dogs. Love, I love dogs. Um, yeah, yeah, she sounds like someone I would actually like to hang out with and You chill. hear that, Mark? You can be born in a middle-class family and not be a douche. Yeah, she was, she sounded like the ultimate sweetheart. Like everybody that said anything great about her, you know, like despite the things you will hear and despite her history that will come up ultimately she was a kind sweet soul one night she decided to go out to a bar like you do in your 20s in college and she met mr Dellen millard so it's like your average night in your 20s you go out you meet a guy you know whatever they dated for a short amount of time that they, they estimate roughly a month or so but then they decided to remain friends. friends. And we use that, that quote unquote. That never works. Don't do that. That's You're why you don't friends. stay friends with your exes because they may murder you. That's why you break up. Because let's be real. Can't you just make other friends? Like, why do you have to keep have friends, friends with people that you right. date? Like, if you if you can't make it work as a couple, what makes you think, oh, we're going to be better friends? That And no matter what anybody happens. says, you're not better off as friends. You're just better off not being around each other. Yeah, let's, let's be honest. Like, when someone's bad for you, just get rid of them. Make your life easier. Just do it. And I'm not 
talking about women, man, man, what all doesn't you, matter. Any dynamic where someone is poison for you, just do yourself a favor, cut that leg off. That's all I'm saying, because you're going to get gangrene. So she continues, because of his lifestyle, she continues to hang out with him. Like, he has keggers and parties, you know, like, you're in your 20s. I you, guess. You're yeah. an actress, you know, you're trying to be an actress, you're a student. This You meet this wealthy person that you saw who wants to invite you to parties. Like, it's something that we all did in our, in our 20s, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? It's... You can't really judge the girl for that, you know? It's easy to get enamored with that kind of lifestyle, you know? Then, of course, this morphed into her having feelings for him, because she hung out with him all the time and who doesn't love the unattainable bad boy you know like that's that's his everybody's gotta appeal. get the one bad boy out of you know system. yeah so like this is her bad boy i guess that's kind of what it sounds like yeah but, but the gangster rap and everything yeah but eventually she meets this guy named sean lerner he sounds like the guy that every parent would dream would marry their daughter caring loving towards her bought her things through her birthday party Aww, you know just just a sincerely sweet person another guy who's not a douche like Dellen. And so that. much so that he threw her birthday party. He invited Dellen because they were friends. So he knew that they were friends. He invited Dellen and his soon to be girlfriend, Christina Nudia. So they meet the first time, like as a, you know, the, right. a couple together on, on uh, Laura's birthday. Fast forward to all this, you know, in between all this drama, stuff starts going down. At this point, Laura and Sean are together for about a year and a half. They break up. Her mental her mental stability starts to decline. We don't know if it's from all the drugs. We don't know if it was a previous thing. Her family's right. been kind of private about this. I can understand why. Right, yes, Men- totally mental disorders or something. It's that- still such a stigma behind it, which there shouldn't be. I'm the first one that'll advocate for mental health awareness. I have severe anxiety. I've suffered from depression. There's nothing to be ashamed about. And it. I also it's- and I also believe full heartedly that if you don't say things, it leads to suicide and suicidal thoughts. And those we just things- we need to make it so that there's not such a stigma behind us, so that people talk about it. You're going to hear us talk about this several times throughout the podcast. We are huge mental health advocates. Absolutely. So when she breaks up with Sean, of course, Stellan is telling her, look, I'm with Christina. Leave me alone. But later, when you look through their phones, they exchanged over 110 phone calls and text messages. These days, if you don't want to talk to someone, it's simple. You click info, you click block. It That's is it. that You're easy. Done. So if you really didn't want to talk to her, then you didn't have you to. You don't need 110 phone calls Right. For that. And it wasn't just her calling. There's evidence of him calling, texting her back as well. So this is just this awful cat and mouse game that certain people just go through. So a year later on Laura's birthday, Christina shoots Laura a text message telling her, happy birthday. A year ago today, I slept with Dylan. Laura replies, that's fine. I slept with him a few weeks ago. So as you can see, the drama starts to escalate here because, you know, it's young a year and a half into the relationship. You're young. You're all on drugs. You're partying. You know, you want to... You want to you know, apparently Dylan sounds great to all of you. I, I don't know. I guess. So these, these taunting texts continued up until what I assume is the end of her life. You can, you know, they found the you know back all and the forth, yeah. all that back and forth and all that so Dellen actually also left a bunch of incriminating text messages to Christina in April 2012 one, he sent one to her that read first I'm going to hurt her then we'll make her leave I will remove her from our lives so so you taunt her and is, then you want to kill her because she's in your life and but there's evidence there. of premeditation I mean you're sitting there telling your girlfriend right. that you're gonna kill your ex-girlfriend essentially that's what Just you're saying it's not that we're gonna condone murder but if you're gonna do it don't text somebody and say it it might you know incriminate so you. in the middle of all this Laura's mental and emotional stability de- continues to decline she sleeps on couches was homeless but though to be fair like her mother had stated recently 
They never told her not to come home. She just wasn't abiding by the rules. Which so they I didn't, totally, I totally get. It's, they didn't want her coming in right. stumbling, drunk, and, and high at four in the morning. So they locked her door. So she, you know, had to resort to sleeping where she could, essentially. Right. So, uh, you know, I try to, def- I'm, I'm defending the Babcocks on that aspect because, you know, my mother had rules that way. If I wasn't home, it does, yeah, it doesn't really matter. How I was either old in trouble I or I was screwed. It would happen if I lived with her today. And I, exactly. And I'm 32. And if I tried to, if I stayed at my mom's house for any period of time and I, I came home drunk at four in the morning, my mom would still be like, you're not coming home. So I, I, it's a parenting thing. You do what Abs- you think is right. And that I would do it if I absolutely. Ever so meanwhile, perfect Sean Lerner kept tabs on her. He still stayed in touch with her. Um, she called him one day desperate for a place to be you know, like a place to stay. So he actually put her up in a hotel and lent her his iPad to look for apartments because oh, she started amazing. to start looking for an they're, apartment. They're, they're I that show that seems like more of a Canadian good person than yeah, absolutely. Zealot. So when she didn't return his phone calls after that, he just assumed she wanted to hang on to the iPad. But like at the time, she was using that as the iPad to actually become an escort. So mm-hmm. this was roughly June 2012. She was. You know, kind of indulging in some not gonna pass judgments. CD you just have to do what you have to do for right. money. And, I get and it. bear in mind, she's not in her right mental state. You know, there's a lot of things going on at this time for her. At this point, the very last person to see her alive officially, as far as we know, his name is Stefan Blasiek. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, but Stefan have Bla- an easier to pronounce name. Stefan Blasiek, and he took a really funny video of Laura meowing like a kitty. And oh yeah, I totally do that all the time. And I bark like <laughs> it a sounds dog. weird, but it's actually really cute. So apparently, what happened was like it was a joke that was pulled in public because she sounds a lot like a cat when she mimics them. So <laughs> there's the last video is her being in public, and he's like, "Do it, do it," and she's kind of like chuckling and she's going meow and like just cracking up. So it was actually a really cute video. That was I the last known it. image or anything of her. Um, they were together between July 1st and July 2nd of 2012. He walked her to the bus stop because she was going to go kick, going to go get cocaine. Sure. That was the last time anyone saw her. He put her on a bus, and that was essentially it from friends and family. That's so, not, that's that could sound kind of so. That was though. so everyone stopped hearing from Laura basically July 2012. Sean Lerner at that point realizes something's up, so he tries to report her missing the first few days, but cops said she was a high risk because of her job. And mental stability. Because another thing we're going to, I'm going to keep bringing up is people have no, they just, if you're any type of sex worker, it's like you don't deserve respect. Or your mental so condition because it was, shitty. it was like, it was known already that she had, you know, she's got, she's gotten checked to hospitals here and there. It was a known fact that she had mental problems. So you're looking at somebody who's mentally unstable, who's been escorting. They're looking at her like she's just a piece of crap and she's just going to show up. Or if she doesn't, it doesn't matter. Again, another reason why we have to care about mental this people's mental and mental state and not care, yeah definitely not. and we got to stop and it not be a factor or and not it, you deserve respect it, and you're a person and it not and be a factor if you go missing it should matter if right you it shouldn't period. matter what your job is it shouldn't matter what your mental state is if you're missing you're missing and the first few hours are so critical that you just wasted precious time yeah and her. so sean kind of becomes her pi i don't know about you but i don't know a single ex that would do that for me me either um, <laughs> i don't even i don't even think my boyfriend would do that for me i love my you, Ryan, but i don't think disappeared but no he he called her phone company like he literally was doing every single thing well obviously because the fucking cops were gonna do it someone's gotta do it so so this is the evidence slash clues that were left from from laura as of now so going back to uh dellen's perspective now so millard that's his last name instructs um his mechanic at his shop to build a homemade incinerator with giant green oil drums 
When that failed, he ordered an industrial model. All right, newsflash. Mechanics. Someone comes up to you and asks you to build an incinerator, call the fucking cops, because it's not normal. Nope. You don't just build incinerators. What the fuck do you need an incinerator for unless you're trying to blow somebody up? Please, mechanics, don't. Just so don't. Ne- don't build it. Needless to say, when that failed, he ordered it. And this was in May. Mind you, she didn't disappear until July. So, so obviously you were cooking this up for months. Interesting choice of words. But um, <laughs> so on July 2nd, Millard purchased a 32 caliber handgun. July 3rd of 2012, Laura and Dellen met a Kipling subway station. Her last cell data was the last eight calls was to Dellen. Then one voicemail checkup at 7.03 p.m. at Dellen's house. They pinned her at Dellen's house. She okay. never uses her phone. She's like us, a millennial glued to her phone phone, so you don't just stop using them all her other ids have been unused she's disappeared after being last tracked at dellen's home dellen did it okay you can continue so oh fyi sean lerner is the one that found out about the last eight text messages and voice calls of course he did sean's the one that went to the cops with that and told them hey this girl's missing this guy's shady this is what happened this is what i had and Please tell me they listened to him this time. Just keep that in mind for now. That's the story I'm going to leave with now. So Millard sends Smitch a text that same evening on July 3rd stating, quote, I am on a mission. Be back in one hour. And remember, oh, are you on a criminal mission? His mission means the word mission to him means crime. So July 4th, which is nothing for them, but Independence Day for us, um, the iPad Sean Lerner gave, gave her is connected to a computer and it's titled Mark's iPad. Oh, your little henchman Mark. So he changed the name to Mark's iPad, which is Mark Smitch. So not not it, that's so inconspicuous. Stealing an iPad and then changing it to your name. So also full um, photos from Millard's cell phone from the day of the day after Laura's mur- murder. There's a picture of a little cute dog, really cute, looking up, but off to the. So the dog's kind of off to the left of the frame, but oh. center and right of the frame is this huge, massive blue tarp. It's clearly, it looks like it's someone's rock. Oh yeah, totally. It. I have blue tarps in my house. All so over the, place. the sick fuck took a picture of her body and, but made it look like, but put his dog in front of it to kind of make him look like it was nothing. But in reality, we all know what that was. You're shit, Dylan. So July 5th, he gets the incinerator delivered. And on the 23rd, he sends a text to Mark Smitch saying, quote, BBQ ran it ran its warm up. It's ready for me. And the, inc- the incinerator, by the way, is called the eliminator. Yeah. This is the fucking most stupid shit I've ever heard in so, my life. This yeah. is horrible. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. Dell has been charged with several murders. I'm doing them in order of how he murdered, according to the police. So these are not in the order that he was charged with, but this is the order that, that he's he actually did been chronologically in order. But he got charged for different times for different very various reasons. Um, but yeah, so um, July 23rd at 1038 that evening, Dell, like the smart genius he is, Google searched a cremation question asking how hot some, how hot an incinerator has to get to burn bodies, basically. Well, so, in addition to not texting people, if you're going to murder them, maybe don't do a search on your computer about how hot an incinerator has to yeah, be to kill to them. Yeah, to cremate. So like you literally cremate. typed in cremation. Also, on that same video, uh, same same phone is a video. He shoots a video of sparks. There's like little sparks and so you hear it crackling. Forensics later determined that it was human remains. The sick fuck burned the incinerator and then took images of Laura's floating parts. Just floating away into the abyss. So the next morning as well, the next morning after the cremation, we're assuming this was July 23rd, 2012, July 24th, 
Smish posts a video rapping about burning a woman and throwing her cell in a lake, basically bragging about it, but no one believed it. Oh, his little gangster rap? So on our site, we're going to um, post, post that, video. that video so you guys can check it out. But it's an insane rap. First of all, it's terrible. And secondly, he's basically confessing to everything they did. It's pretty insane. Superhero Sean even gave out, like I mentioned, the deeds to these popos and her cell phone records and still nothing was done So someone about literally confesses in a rap song and he, they still don't do anything? Nothing is done about her case and her remains have never been recovered. Probably because they were floating in the fucking air on camera. Needless to say, um, Sean kept looking. Sean kept insisting it was Dell. The cops just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, whatever. We're looking to do it. That's that. So fast forward to November. Um, Dellen's father, Wayne Dillard. He, uh, Wayne Dillard. Well, Wayne Millard. Looking at Dell saying Dillard. I'll edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it. I like it. So Wayne Millard is his father. This is the second murder that we know of. That's what I'm going to keep saying that we know of because you never know with these people. So, right. More and the more, numbers are always off. Yeah. The more and more that you find Especially out about Especially when people. cops aren't willing to look into it. And and for people that don't know, uh, the definite the number you have to hit to be a serial killer is three. So he's right. considered a serial killer. But his second, his, his second murder was actually his father, Wayne. He bought an illegal fa- firearm on November 29th, 2012. So this is a few months after killing Laura. Wayne was found dead with a gunshot through the left eye. Um, shooting him in the left eye as he slept. And he somehow made it look like a suicide. Cops believed him when they said it was a suicide. Who shoots themselves in the eye as a suicide? That's my thing. How did he get away with that? Like, are the police that ill-equipped in this town? The thing is, if someone's already come to you with another possible murder, and then you have something this suspicious, it's like nothing went off in your head to, like, maybe investigate him. Despite a few cops saying this is, to say the least, an unusual way to commit suicide, and at least one of them was went on, went on record to say they were unhappy with the investigation, it was ruled a suicide completely forgotten about. The motive here is unclear, but there are rumors that later they found out that Dell and Wayne were obviously having disagreements over the family business, and I'm sure over Dell's personality and behavior. And just being a I would assume dick. that Wayne was just tired of Dell's partying and drugs and threatened to cut him off, but who really knows, you know? Other than his or killer. Or maybe he was just a sick fuck and decided to kill his father one day. Yeah. And to boot, Dellen actually wrote the obit. And it is one of the weirdest obits so I've ever read from dad. someone who's murdered someone else close to them. It's the creepiest thing. So you uh, murdered your dad and then you lied and said it was a suicide and then you wrote his obituary? Uh, apparently. So, so yeah. we're going to also put that on our site. Yeah, the obit it's... is worth checking out because it's it's from the horse his mouth and um it's pretty insane once again this guy's roaming free still doing his crime still doing whatever whatever he's got to do so we don't know what he did in between all this other time but unfortunately the next person to come across Dell is tim bosma on may 6 2013 32 year old and caster family man he had one little girl no one found i didn't find a single bad thing about him and i don't mean that in a way where it's like he was such a good guy like there was not a single negative thing about friends family press everybody had something good to say he was a self-starter he was frugal like famously frugal but like in a good way because he saved his money for what he wanted he kept his head down he liked working with his hands he was a sheet metal worker like his dad his friends teased him about his taste in music he especially loved Coldplay which is hysterical like who loved Coldplay in 2013 that's pretty great. <laughs> well, for, um, we forgive anybody who likes Coldplay, maybe. I mean, I think we all went through that phase, like a Coldplay phase, but then like you And then I learned about real music, yeah. Yeah, but then like Tim Bosma just loved Coldplay. So, um, so for some extra cash, he and his wife Charlene decided to sell his truck. 
So he posted it online like you do and caught the attention of two people who requested they test drive it. You can guess who these two people were. Dick one and dick two? Yeah. AKA Dylan Millard and Mark Smitch. Now, Charlene, who I found super, super smart, really cool. Like I watched a lot of documentaries with her in it. She's a she's been advocating for her for her husband and like, you know, she she's been at every court and every jury thing when it comes to like Good. she's she's very committed to ensuring that her husband didn't die in this ridiculously vain way she basically said that she found it odd that he showed that they showed up damn near in the dark and they showed up on foot like they didn't roll up like in a car they showed up with like at dusk with no Which if, car <laughs> canada is anything like i know it to be right i was just saying like if you're from brooklyn then that might be kind of normal because there's plenty of pl- you can get anywhere in brooklyn and not drive but some are like canada you can't just sh- go anywhere without yeah. driving even even tim found it quote weird but they're polite like most canadians and decided to let them let them test, test drive, drive. Anyway. so he took millard and his pal mark for the test drive and it was a dodge ram diesel truck and he never came home like did they think that his wife wasn't gonna notice that he that's just didn't my thing you roll home? up to someone's house and you think you could just t- like take someone's life and no one's gonna ever find out like couldn't you just stolen the fucking car and just let him go home like who gives a shit so search parties began they were called the bosma army because there was hundreds of people looking for him so the bosma army shout out to you guys i i try to find the positive and all this negative and the community impact is always what gets me the most because like you don't as a new yorker we don't talk to our neighbors i know that if one of us knock on wood ever went missing my neighbors would still help find because that's what people do in except these times the guy upstairs, so he's yeah except my upstairs neighbor who i've gotten so vicious fights with but that's a whole other story i'm sure people in new york can completely understand hating their neighbors but anyway so this is the evidence that these morons left in tim's case through video footage because you know everywhere you go you're you're filmed right tim's final whereabouts were put together millard was in the truck with him smitch followed in another car so, so they arrived on foot but did have another car. Yeah, just so they it. just probably left it out of sight so Charlene couldn't identify a car. That's that's my assumption. Which is probably they the tr- only semi-smart thing they probably thought about throughout this whole thing. Right. When they arrived at the hangar, they caught them on video. They saw what happened. But when they arrived at the hangar, which is the Waterloo, you know, the, in Waterloo, Ontario, the ram was being pulled in a trailer. So and there's no Tim Bosma. There's no video of Tim anywhere. So somewhere in between, Tim was shot. His body was burned to ash in the same incinerator yeah the eliminator and video footage of millard and smitch at the hangar that night with tim's trucks confirmed that tim was nowhere to be seen the incinerator burns all night and video footage of the they did the same thing they kind of shoot it they're sick box i'm just like thinking like you know shouldn't there be like a requirement for buying an incinerator like you know my joe schmoke can't buy an incinerator like don't you just like have to that was literally my thought when i was first reading this i'm like who just says i need an incinerator like don't people question what those for you know how like you buy too much cold medication and you get like i literally get id'd every time i buy my allergy meds but you don't get any questions about buying a fucking incinerator what the hell do you need but i also think it's also if you can afford it they don't ask questions that's the thing like that's the reason the cops also i think didn't question them because especially when like laura went missing it's like who the hell cares shit about laura like this kid has money he couldn't have done anything he could just pay anybody off the millard family they uh, yeah they're probably they're probably known they're like no they wouldn't happen that's ridiculous like i'm sure it was i mean this kid's so fucking rich that he hangs out at a fucking airport hangar after he kills people like that's just the shit like yeah how they how this was fun how they were finally caught was a tipster called and said that someone had test driven their their truck and he has a tattoo on his wrist with the word ambition on it Oh, ambition, help. Yeah. They were able to obviously link that to Dellen because who puts ambition on their What arm? idiot does that? Tim's truck was found at Dellen's mother's home in a trailer 
with shell casings, gunshot residue, and Dellen's prints everywhere. So you didn't even clean your fucking truck? Luminol was all over the truck, which is someone's attempt to clean up the blood. But I guess he didn't think about his Or taking out the shell casings. And then (laughs) when Millard was arrested, he had Tim's keys in his pockets. Not suspicious at all. So I don't know if that was a trophy or if he planned on just dismem- destroying the truck. I don't know what his intentions were. Obviously, you're not going to drive it around. I don't know if that was like a, he was keeping his keys as a sick Unless trophy Unless he was going to like thing. drive it off like a cliff with himself inside it. That would have been nice. So when he finally got arrested, Millard led them to the incinerator that he hid on some property. And they were able to confirm Tim's remains, but not Laura's. Oh. So this is the results of this case. Basically, first of all, cops get brutally criticized, which... Well, no shit. For, you for could have prevented having the, the second info and the third murder if you and just listened exactly, to Exactly, for having all the info in Killer's name at the first murder with Laura, which could have resulted in saving Wayne and Tim, but they said they did everything, quote, by the book. Can so, I read this book? Because I don't think that's true. Do they get, like, I swear you should get charged if you fucking don't investigate a murder and there's two others. Like, mm-hmm. you really, like, something should happen to you. Some people should have gotten, head, head some should people should have lost some their Some heads should have rolled, for sure, if it didn't. There's a lot of people, like, a lot of the what-ifs. That's kind of the hard part about this case. Like, right. what if someone had, what if someone had actually listened to Sean and investigated Dellen? And what if... Or what if someone had said that that suicide of his father was fishy and investigated that? They could have even Char- Even him. Charlena, she kind of said, like, what if I had told him, don't get in that car, it's too late, forget it. She she kind of quoted it best, and I, I wanted to quote Charlene Bosma directly. She went on record to say, quote, living in a world of what-ifs doesn't change what it is. Probably. And the, I think that's, that's kind of the When it comes to all end. the cases we're going to talk about involving murder, because we will talk about other things, that's pretty much... Yep. That's all you can say. There's a lot of what ifs. So Charlene, Charlene nailed it. She she said living in a world of what ifs doesn't change what it is. And I think that can go for a lot of things. That can go for a lot. Of- oh, as a result. So the end of after all this, obviously, there's a trial. I'll start from smaller to the larger charges. So remember the girlfriend, Christina Nudia? The one that started all the shit with Laura? Yeah. yeah. She's currently going on trial November 14th for accessory after the fact for Tim's murder because she helped hide Tim's truck. Although, she claims she didn't realize what she was oh, doing. Oh, nobody believes you. At all. And she hired some high-profile lawyer that, like, And honestly, of even if she and... didn't know, you should go down because you started the shit with Laura for her murder well, anyway. Well, get this. Not only does she claim that, but she was caught with 65 letters from her boo after his arrest. He had managed to sneak them out, stating, and a bunch of the times he said they, quote, needed to get their story straight. But if you know nothing... Oh, but she didn't know anything. But if you don't know anything, what do you need nothing. to get your story Why straight for? Believe me? I don't understand. So I hope she goes to jail. That's November 14th of this this year. Oh, we so we'll see where that we goes. We'll definitely do an we'll update. We'll do an update. Mark Smitch for... His gangster rap career took Mark Smitch got convicted on... Well, for the murder of Tim, June 17, 2016, two men were, they were convicted of first-degree murder, sentenced to life in prison with no parole eligibility for 25 years. Uh, when they... After they they had charged Tim's case first, they were because that was the, obviously the most obvious evidence. evidence. Because so they that also was found the first body, trial. Yeah. The second trial was for Laura. Laura Babcock, December seventeenth, December of twenty seventeen. Millard and Smith were convicted of the murder of Laura Babcock, okay. last seen alive July of twenty twelve at Dell's house. Millard and Smith were again sentenced to life in prison with the parole and eligibility period to be served consecutively with the previous sentence. Good, meaning, and they should also add some time just because his he raps. Meaning they will not be released prior to 2063. So I 
Can't even imagine how far ahead in time that is. Millard recently admitted to some part into Tim's death. He told I mean, him, you didn't really have to. We have all the freaking evidence. So. Yeah. Um, he told the National Post, which I, th- I think up there is kind of like their New York Times or whatever. Right. Well, I know that Mark killed Timothy Bosma by accident. I know he did not mean to do that. He was 30 stories. It says it, says it like that. S-T-O-R-E-Y-S. Stories. Higher than a kite. That night. Things went really wrong really terribly wrong with everything that was building up around the truck the truck theft so his defense was that he made a snap decision not to go to police and instead try to cover it up he so says, you were too high to realize what you were doing and killed him but you weren't too high to put no him in a he's pinning it on mark he's saying mark actually shot him and he tried to cover it up and that was where he went wrong he didn't have anything to do with tim's death tim was uh mark was high and shot Tim, and then he tried to cover it up. So that's his defense with oh, that. Sure. Yeah, it's cool. Also claims that in retaliation to the situation, the police went through the history and pulled these other two cases out of the sky, and now he's charged with that. So he's claiming that... Right, because you never had anything to do with oh, Laura, yeah. and you didn't know your dad. He was so a saint. Right know? out of the sky. Up until right then. Out of the um, okay. so, so Dylan Millard is now down in history for something else other than being the youngest in aviation, he has now scorched his mark in history in Canada by getting the longest sentence ever handed down in Ontario without parole possibility. He needs to do 75 years before being considered for parole. He'll be 102 years old. Ha ha, I don't feel bad. So that is unfortunately the case of Dylan Millard and Mark Smitch. I hope that the Babcocks, the Bosmas, and even the Millard family uh, can find some semblance of peace. You know, I, I also feel bad for the family of the killers because it's like, just because your family doesn't mean that you're a piece of shit. You know, like I, a lot they, of people. They, he grew up with money. There was nothing indicating that he would have grown up this way. So I do. I feel bad. And Mark I'm too, sure like, she's getting a lot of shit because your son's such a dick. But And the Smith family too. They're yeah. probably just a normal, you know, Ontario, Toronto, whatever, wherever they're at now family. You you can raise a bad apple. It doesn't mean that you're bad yourself. Right, and then you like know? His, his rap sheet, it was a rap sheet, but I don't, I mean, to me, there's plenty of people who have murder, not murder, but like theft and drugs. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a murderer. So like, I'm sure that anybody that like really wants to give the family like shit is like, well, you know, he had a rap sheet. I mean, plenty of people do stupid shit growing up and they don't murder anybody. So I, I do. I do have some sympathy sometimes because, you know, you just assume that just because they raise a serial killer, they're shitty people. And it doesn't mean that they are. Right. So I just hope that everybody found peace. I hope you both fucking have a hard ass time in jail. I hope it's miserable. And <laughs> I hope you go out Dahmer style. So <laughs> it's a good reference. You know, that's the most recent uh, Canadian story that I could find I that I found. I still want to go to Canada, though. Me too, absolutely. I want to meet Sean. Oh. Or Asian. Yeah, no, I would, uh, you know, I hear their bagels are awesome because their tap water is good. We're from New York. Our yeah, but that's the big thing. Too. So our bagels are good, but Canada's famous for their good water. So in Montreal, apparently they're famous for their bagels. And they're all new dancing, but... Um, <laughs> we will definitely be filming but, one of these from Canada. <laughs> it's going to happen. But I, I, I already love Canada, and I haven't been there Dallin Millard and Mark Schmidt are not going to make me change my mind about that. Our view of Canada. Uh, not at all. On to our favorite Who does segment. That? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? And if anybody wants to guess where this "Who does that" comes from, I'll give you two guesses. It's not Texas, but Florida. Florida. I swear, Florida. I don't go looking for stuff, but you guys just come to me. You guys bring it. Out like I was in between two who does that and they were both from Florida so it's like it's really not my fault you guys just give us the stories and we're go- just telling them and computer in general uh it must sense when you're typing things in because I got the funniest letter it's like it's like an op-ed piece about why Florida doesn't suck 
That's essentially what it is. And like they're defending everything. And I'm like, no, everything you're saying is not true. They're like, it basically was saying that it's not that all these weird things happen in Florida. Oh, that their it's, media rules are different? No, it's that everything that happens that's weird in Florida gets blown out of proportion. But I'm like, because yeah, the weirdest things happen in Florida. Stuff, like there's some, they have like some weird laws that are different than ours when it comes to media. It's like, no, but you also have weird things to report. It's like, like the I'm chicken sorry. and the egg. You can't sit there and say... It's just that weird things happen in Florida and it gets reported on. It's because it happens in Florida. That's I what mean, makes it I weird. I mean, when I read the title of my thing, you're going to be like, well, you really can't blame anybody but yourself. Okay. So, so here we go. Give us some headlines. The headline is, woman charged after throwing pork chop at boyfriend. <laughs> Authorities in Brooksville, Florida have arrested a woman who reportedly attacked her boyfriend with a frozen pork chop during an argument. She didn't even cook it. <laughs> the incident occurred around 9.45 p.m. on Friday. This was last Friday. So... According to the report, 48-year-old would think you know better, Jennifer Brassard, was arguing with her boyfriend when suddenly she threw a frozen pork chop at his head. The frozen meat struck the man in the face, leaving a half-inch cut on one of his eyebrows. This is why I don't eat pork. <laughs> Brassard allegedly took off from the scene, of course, because it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. But she was arrested sometime later, and she is now facing a domestic battery charge. Officials reported that other circumstances surrounding the fight are unclear. Listen. I don't know what the circumstances were, but I really don't know what would warrant throwing a fucking frozen pork chop. I don't know. You said she's 50. If she's been dating or married to this person for 30 plus years, I can, as a married woman, I can see how throwing something frozen would be kind of beneficial for my emotional state. I'm just kind of wondering, like, were you about to cook that pork chop? Because that's a waste yeah, of I food. Just, I just wonder if he said something smart and she just flung it at him and that was it. You know, like, it wasn't and that I simple. I kind of identify with that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't... As as a, I guess as I grew up also as like we always talk about as a Latin household I dodged a lot of things being thrown at me so I oh guess, yeah Latin you know. household they kind of just throw whatever's there chancla broom hand like it just got thrown a at pot, you a pot a pan an iron while it was still hot yeah yeah once my grandmother hit me with barbed wire because she had barbed wire in her hands like that all, actually like happened. all people do just barbed wire all around. Well, you know, this was, in, of course, Dominican Republic, where you can get away with that kind of stuff. These days, that, that would never happen here. I would I would say barbed wire in one sentence as an eight-year-old, and I'd be taken away. I have a, a younger brother, and I got a lot of toys thrown at me. Some of them really <laughs> hurt. The best is when you get hit with a flying toy, and it's one of those toys that talks, so then you, like, laugh because it's talking, but you just got hit with the fucking toy. Like, those are the best. I can honestly say I've never been hit with a pork chop. That's, th- that's definitely new. That's something. Uh, that's, yeah. Well, I would never get hit with a pork chop because I don't eat pork, but now I'm trying to think of, like, if I hit well, you with a frozen chicken hit, breast with that, If you that hit hurt? me with a pork chop, I might break out. <laughs> right, because uh, Christy is this big freaking weirdo who suddenly, in her old age, is now allergic to everything. So if I hit her with a pork chop, I'd probably kill her. And it would actually be the meat. I'm allergic to mammalian meats. That's right. You heard me. Mammalian, mammalian meats. meats. Means if it walks on all fours, I cannot eat it. I can only eat bird. So you and can't yes, eat your cat now. This is a new development. I've been eating meat my entire life. I can't eat dairy anymore. There's so many weird things happening. Like if you can, if you guys find that fountain of youth, you just take a dip in there and you just, you just swim, baby. Because getting old is no joke. You know, it is what it is. And like I said, I can... As I get older and more things happen to me, I could see the appeal of throwing a frozen pork chop. I'm just trying to say. I'm not trying to defend Florida. I'm just saying. Sometimes, we get it. Sometimes it happens. That's all. Shit happens. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are super, super excited to do this every week. We hope you are super, super excited to hear from us. We are going to drop episodes religiously every, every Wednesday. Wednesday. So please check out every Wednesday. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you really like what you hear. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.